0: Sea bears foam, sleep bears dreams. Both end in the same way. Crash! This is Legendary Adventures podcast. This week in Link's Awakening, we find the secret behind the waterfall by heading to the desert? You'll recall after completing Key Cavern, a voice told Link his next goal is behind a waterfall. After exiting the dungeon, players will be immediately met by the Owl, who directs Link to travel to Yarna Desert. It says the monstrous inhabitants of the sand will show us the way. It's worth pointing out here that while Link's Awakening, like A Link to the Past before it gives players clear goals to reach, it doesn't tell them how to get there. An early example in A Link to the Past is the Desert Palace. Players can clearly see it marked on their dungeon map, but they will have to explore and get hints in order to find out how to open the dungeon. Here, players have been told their goal is the desert. However, the desert can't be reached until this time, and the pathway to reach it is hidden in an underground cavern. Inside the cavern, the Pegasus Boots are needed to reach the other side. So while we know the desert is the goal, we have to explore to find it. Ulriro's phone booths are spread out across the overworld and can offer additional hints to players who need them. His hints are sometimes helpful, sometimes not. I didn't think to visit the phone booth during this playthrough, but a game script online shows that I'll redirect players to the southeast area of the island. With Link's current equipment, players can explore a majority of the map. They are limited by water, but most locations can be reached, and more trades can be completed. Again, this trading quest is required to complete the game, so making trades when you can is always a good idea. I started this segment by heading to the Dream Shrine in Mabe Village, It's located on the northeastern side of the village, next to Mamasha and Papal's house. Three stones block the entryway, but Link can lift them with the power bracelet. It's possible to come here after completing Bottle Grotto, but it's best to come after completing Key Cavern. Inside the shrine is a bed. Link can lay in it, and when he goes to sleep he's transported to another location. This place is filled with Mimic enemies, which mirror Link's movements. There are also cracked floors which will crumble under Link's feet if he stands for too long. Using the Pegasus boots, Link can dash across the cracked floors, defeating the Mimics in the process. The path loops around to the north, then east, then south, then west. On the western path, players will find a staircase leading to a treasure chest filled with rupees. If players came immediately after Bottle Grotto, they would be forced to stop here. But with the Pegasus Boots, Link can break through a barrier and reach the second chest, which contains an ocarina. While there were flutes or whistles in every Pass Zelda game, each of those items simply had a set song that was played when players hit the button. Here, if players attempt to play the ocarina, they'll discover that Link doesn't know any songs, and frankly isn't all that good at playing. In a first for the series, Link has to learn songs to play on the ocarina. There are three in the game. The first can be learned right after completing the Dream Shrine. Players can talk to Marin, who will comment on Link's Ocarina, and ask him to accompany her while she sings the Ballad of the Windfish. Once their musical number is complete, players will be able to play the Ballad of the Windfish on the ocarina. When selecting the ocarina on the item select screen, a subscreen will appear with a picture of Marin to select the song to play. It's a simpler and more straightforward way to learn and play songs on the ocarina than we'll see in the next game, Ocarina of Time, but it's clear that the idea for learning songs in that game got its start here. To the south of the graveyard, near the center of the overworld, players will find Terran standing next to a tree with a honeycomb on it. This is the setup for the next trade in the Straw Millionaire quest. Taryn will ask for the stick that Link got from the monkeys. He will then use it to try to knock down the honeycomb to comically disastrous results. After Taryn leaves, the honeycomb falls and Link takes it to use for his next trade. Now it's time to head for the dungeon. Even if players don't get a hand from Alrira, they'll find that there's no desert on the west side of the river which separates the western two-thirds of the map from the eastern third, and they will likely find signs indicating that there is something beyond the river, specifically Animal Village. Just south of the Seashell Mansion, there's a bush through which can be cut to reveal a set of stairs. They lead to a cave which travels underneath the river to the other side. After emerging from the cave, players can travel south then east to reach Animal Village. True to its name, Animal Village is populated by animals. They can all speak and explain to Link that Animal Village is a sister city to Mabe Village. The animals also drop a number of hints. Relevant to our current quest is an animal who says the path to Yarna Desert is south of the village, but that a walrus is blocking the entrance. Another says the walrus will move with a song from Marin. We need to return to Mabe Village to get her. In the southeast corner of Animal Village, we'll find the home of Chef Bear. We can complete another step in the Straw Millionaire quest by giving the honeycomb to the bear in exchange for a pineapple. A path to the south of Chef Bear's house leads to a fast travel point, meaning that players can quickly reach Maeve Village to find Marin, and they'll also be able to quickly return. When Link arrives at the weather vane where Marin has hung out since the start of the game, he'll find she's not there. A boy says she likes to go stare at the ocean all by herself. To the easternmost part of the beach, players will find a small, secluded area where Marin is waiting. A nice story beef follows. it's unlike anything we've seen in a Zelda game to this point. The camera view shifts, showing seagulls flying in the sky. A light, gentle, staccato version of the Ballad of the Windfish plays. The camera tilts down. We see Link and Marin from behind as they sit side by side on a log. Marin explains she is curious about what lies beyond the island, but no one else is. Link says nothing. Marin says if she was a seagull, she would travel as far as she could, and wonders if she made a wish to the windfish if her dream will come true. Link, as always, says nothing. Marin asks Link if he's listening. Players are given an option to say yes or no, and Marin will respond appropriately based on the answer. The conversation ends suddenly when Marin reveals more than she intends. She then agrees to go with Link, to wake the walrus and make it move. Is this Link's big chance? Players who take time exploring with Marin will find a number of optional secret scenes and interactions. In the Deluxe Edition, if players have visited the photography shop on the northern part of the island, they can also get a few photos while traveling with Marin. If players walk to the edge of a cliff on the western side of the island, they'll get the first joke in the series about how Link never speaks. Aren't you going to say anything? Marin asks. When players decide to move on to Animal Village, they can take the fast travel, then head to the southwestern part of the village to find the path to the desert. Marin will sing the Ballad of the Windfish to the Sleeping Walrus. It will wake with excitement and jump into the sea, opening the path to the desert. Marin will return to Animal Village, and Link continues his quest. In the northwestern corner of the desert, players will come across a large pit of quicksand. A boss emerges from the sand, calling Link an annoyance, and says he's only getting in the way. This boss is a Land Mola, seen in Death Mountain in the original game. Players also fought a trio of Land Mola in the desert palace in Ganon's Tower in A Link to the Past. There is, however, only one here. Players have to be careful not to stand at the center of the arena, otherwise they'll sink into the quicksand and will have to start the fight over again. This fight also marks the first overworld boss in the series. There are surprisingly few bosses fought on the overworld in Zelda games. To my recollection, the concept doesn't appear again until The Wind Waker. Overworld bosses are very prominent in both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, but they'll only appear sporadically between this game and those. When Lanmola is defeated, it will drop the Angler Key. At this time, it's actually a good idea to get the key and then fall through the quicksand. There's a bombable wall in a cave below that leads to a piece of heart. In the original and deluxe versions of this game, it can only be found by hitting the wall with Link's sword and listening for the change in sound. The wall is marked with cracks in the Switch remake. I'm not sure how I first found this heart piece, if it was on my own or if someone told me about it, but I know I've heard complaints about it before, so I'm telling you how to reach it. As Link heads to leave the desert, the owl will appear and tell him to head to the waterfall on Tal Heights and leap from the top of it. The entrance to the heights is located north of the Moblin hideout. In the eastern part of the heights, players will find a keyhole and a fast travel point, revealing a cave with an ornate sculpture in the shape of a fish around the entrance. This is the next dungeon, Angler's Tunnel, but it's unreachable from Link's current position. Players must backtrack slightly, then head up the mountain to reach the top of the waterfall. On the way up, players will likely notice Papal. He got himself lost and now he's hungry. He offers to trade for the pineapple and gives Link a hibiscus flower in exchange. Moving to the west, players can find the top of the waterfall, and then leap off to land on the entrance to Angler's Tunnel. This is one of my favorite dungeons of the game. The music uses the same melody as Tell Cave, but it's slightly faster paced and higher pitched. It's also shorter, lacking that second trilling portion that gave Tell Cave a more uneasy feel. The Switch version expands the piece significantly. It has slow strings and a soft harp that gives it more of a water dungeon feel. The main melody sounds like it's directly sampled from the Game Boy, but a secondary melody on trombone is also introduced. Angler's Tunnel is indeed a water-themed dungeon. It's shaped like a flipper. Players enter through the hill and they will follow a path that will take them up to the right toe, back down to the hill, up through the left toe to the middle toe, and then to the left side of the flipper to find the dungeon boss. Much of the dungeon is open and flowing like water, has fewer smaller distinct rooms than previous dungeons. Effect is minimized on the Game Boy because players can only see one screen at a time, but on the Switch players can more fully appreciate the open concept. Many areas feature a light colored shallow water that Link can walk in, but there's also darker colored deep water that require the dungeon item, the flippers, to swim through. Here's some highlights from the dungeon. To reach the right toe, players first need to climb a set of stairs to a raised walkway and then move north to find a large cross-shaped hole. The shape of the hole limits the direction that players can cross. Coming from the raised walkway, players can only jump west to east and then back again. After getting a couple of keys and the dungeon map, players can backtrack to the hill and then head north from the lower level and then jump across the cross-shaped hole south to north. As players continue north, they will push a block to move forward, but end up preventing their access to a set of stairs which lead to a side-scrolling area. Players will have to backtrack to access those stairs later. Just west of the stairs, players will come to an area with two holes in the floor. There are barriers around the hole to keep players from falling in. When the enemies in this room are defeated, a key falls from the ceiling down the left hole. After the players get the flippers, they can return to the block stairs and pick up the key from a pool of water inside a side-scrolling area. The mini-boss is in the middle toe. It's a bulbous creature with large eyes and small tentacles. It's called Cue Ball. The boss can only be damaged from behind. The room features a pillar in the center. Players must dash around the pillar in the opposite direction of Cue Ball to reach its back and land hits. Defeating the mini-boss allows players to collect the flippers. To get the Nightmare Key, players must solve a puzzle involving five floor tiles. In a room west of the mini-boss, players will find five tiles laid out on the floor. One has a glint on it. An owl statue hints players to the solution. Players must touch the tile with the glint to get it to move from one to another. This will happen for all five tiles. A room southwest of this room features tiles laid out in the same formation. But some of them are in deep water, meaning players can only tackle this puzzle after they have the flippers. Stepping on the tiles in the exact same order from the other room reveals a staircase to a side-scrolling area which leads to the Nightmare Key. The boss is reached through a doorway in the center of the dungeon. Players will pass through a third side-scrolling area to reach the boss door. Once through the boss door, they'll have to descend a set of stairs to the boss room. This is the first of only a couple of bosses that are fought from a side on view. While I really like this dungeon, it's no secret that the boss is considered a disappointment by most fans, and I can't really disagree. A giant anglerfish says it wants to eat Link, and then the fight ends almost as soon as it begins. There are smaller anglerfish that swim across the room, but the boss itself rarely, if ever, attacks. The Switch remake steps up the difficulty a bit. We'll actually see attacks from the anglerfish. It hits walls to drop stones from the ceiling. It takes a lot more hits to defeat as well but this is still one of the easiest fights in the game. After the angular fish falls, Link gets a heart container and then heads back to the surface to get the fourth instrument of the sirens, the surf harp. After getting the instrument, Link receives a message to go to the bay. We'll head there next week and help a mermaid in order to tackle the fifth dungeon in the game Catfish's Ma. If you haven't already and you want to follow along, please subscribe. Please also consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan. I am Paul Riley, thanks for listening.